Hey, I'm Drea, and this is Unpopular Passion. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 10, the season finale, season one of Unpopular Passion. These past few months and these 10 episodes have just completely flown by. It's kind of hard to believe that I barely even had this idea just a few months ago and I'm already done with the first season. So thank you so much to everyone who has been listening so far, everyone who has stuck with it. I hope you guys will come back for season two. I really do appreciate all of the love and support that I've been receiving this far. My guest today is a composer with dreams of being on Broadway. And with the way he's living his life, writing back-to-back shows, and constantly being so engulfed in music, honestly, I don't think he's very far from it. But today we speak a lot about living in the moment, something I think a lot of us have trouble with. When I asked Jeffrey where he sees himself down the line, he brought up a point of not wanting to make his life so goal-oriented. And that's a really good point. Not to say that we shouldn't be making goals and achieving them. Of course, we all have plans of where we want our life to go. But if we're so focused on the end goal, we could be missing out on so much more along the way. Don't forget to appreciate the little things you see every day in your life. Sometimes it's the small things that mean the most. So for the season finale of season one, please welcome Jeffrey Schmelkin. All right. Well, welcome and thank you for sitting down and doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Oh my God. Thank you. Yes. So Jeffrey, could you give everyone just like a little introduction about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, hello, I'm I'm Jeffrey. Um, Jeffrey Schmelkin. That's S C H. Um, <laughs> a lot of people uh, have have trouble with my last name. One time in middle school, I got Schmickeldorf. Um, that is so far <laughs> off from anything I would have even thought to say. <laughs> it was so far off. Um, but yeah, so I'm a composer and a pianist and music director and a partial lyricist and book writer. Um, I live in New York City. Um, I write musicals. I've done work at festivals before. I've done work at 54 Below. Um, Yeah, and I I music direct uh, my own things as well as other people's sometimes. Uh, And that's that's it. You know, Broadway is the goal for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So one step at a time. 
Yeah, about a million steps that you're taking. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you honestly, yeah, you're doing so much, and it's it's so cool to see, especially how young you are. Like, I definitely just assumed you were older with as much as you're doing. How how old did you assume I was? Maybe like I don't know, twenty five, twenty six, like at least mid twenties. Like you know, like you've <laughs> been in it a few years. I would have assumed. Mm-hmm. No, nope. mm-hmm. uh, I'll be twenty three in a month. Mm-hmm. And what would you say is your biggest passion in life? My biggest passion in life. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad that you're doing this podcast. I think I was listening to other people's. It was, uh, it's really fantastic. Oh, I'm so glad biggest to hear passion that. passion <laughs> would be uh, at the intersection of helping people and music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, Music, you know, information has the power to change minds, but music has the power to change hearts. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think at, at the intersection of both of those is musical theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's, other than just being an amazing art form, I think that uh, it's a great tool to really enact social change. Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, one thing that I think I was too wrapped around when I even started doing this podcast was kind of centering people's passions around what they do which obviously like yeah it can like be included in what you do but I think I thought too much of it as like your passion is what you do but like you know getting more answers of like being free and like you said helping people it's definitely opened my mind more to like what living a life of passion really is Mm -hmm. so would you think or would you say you've been into like music and musical theater all your life yes um all of my life I have been into music and musical theater however that is not always uh the path that I thought I would have been taking oh really um when I was six years old, I saw Wicked and that changed my life. I fell in love with theater and musical theater and all of that. Um, But I come from uh, partially a medical family. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. So the, the, the hope for me was always that I would be a doctor um, of something of some kind. And for a while I thought I wanted to be a geneticist or an endocrinologist Um, and I even in high school was invited and went to a conference in DC for future medical leaders. Oh, wow. Um, so that was in high school? That was in high school. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it was actually at that conference that I realized that I wanted to pursue music. Um, <laughs> so like being they, submersed they in that there. environment made you realize <laughs> this is not what I wanted to. no. Uh, no not necessarily um I mean everyone I made some lifelong friends there Mm -hmm. um um but so actually they had a speaker and they they spoke with us and they did this exercise with us and they said close your eyes um imagine yourself like 10 15 years down the line whatever it was Mm -hmm. um like where are you what's making you happy what are you doing you know things like that um and most people I spoke about um, with them after, most of my friends said like, yeah, I see myself working in a hospital doing awesome research and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw myself living in Manhattan, writing <laughs> music for Broadway. Yeah. 
Um, and I was like, oh, so it was, it was literally at that conference that I thought, wow, um, maybe medicine isn't for me mm-hmm. as, as much as I am fascinated by science yeah. and medicine and all of that. Um, still a, a passion mm-hmm. of mine. Um, you know, I, I love reading and I love watching videos um, about medicine and uh, all these technologies that we have now. Um, but I think that music one one over mm-hmm. that's actually really cool that they did that because I mean you would think well I mean I guess for something as serious as the medical field like it's nice to see them being like is this really what you want to do because you would think mm-hmm. probably at a conference for anything else they would be like yes you're here like you're gonna love this you should do this <laughs> and I did love it mm-hmm. um it was so fascinating and um I did learn a lot yeah but, um, you know, in that in that moment, I was like, oh, <laughs> music. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny because you would think like the thing that your mind would go to as a career and then the thing your mind would go to as like a hobby kind of mm-hmm. switch places. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I actually still think of music as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's become my career, both, uh, you know, like on on the path and also adjacent. Yeah. Um, but I think that if I started to think about it as work, um, mm-hmm. I, w- I would lose interest. And um, so I really, every day, whenever I'm doing anything for music, um, I really try to think of it as a hobby, as a, a passion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's something I've gotten kind of mixed messages. I mean, it definitely differs with each person. Like I've you know, spoken to some people about how turning their passion into a career made them not so passionate about it anymore. And Mm -hmm. I can definitely see that, like making yourself need to do it can take that away. But then I've also on the other side seen people be like, wow, like I get to do this as a job. So, I mean, yeah, it definitely can go either way. Mm -hmm. But I like that you said you... So it is your career, but you like to think of it as a hobby to not kind of really get yourself in that mindset. Yeah, there's that that classic quote. Um, if you love the work that you do, mm-hmm. you'll never have to work a day in your life or yeah. something to that effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How old were you when you went to that um, conference? That was in 2014. Um, so I was 15 or 16 years old. Okay. And so like up until that point, I mean, you had that like big love of music and Broadway when you were six. Like what was kind of in your head from six to 15 that you were like, no, I don't think this is something I'm going to do. Um, it's not that I thought about it and I said, no, I'm not going to do this. Um, it just hadn't crossed my mind. Um, you know, my I have two older sisters. Well, one of them is my twin sister, but she's older by 16 minutes. Oh, you have so a twin. She, uh, That's so cool. I do. Yeah. Um, so she likes to hold, hold it over my head that mm-hmm. she is older than mm-hmm. I am. Um, but uh, they're both brilliant minds mm-hmm. um, and they both exist in the medical and mathematics type fields. Okay. My oldest sister um, is, she went to Harvard and she, um, is now a doctor in Boston oh, wow. and That's my funny. twin sister is in Philly and she's doing bioinformatics um, which to my knowledge is uh, the cross between biology and computer science. Oh wow yeah I was gonna say I'm not quite familiar with what that is. 
Yeah, no, I, th I think she does things with, um, she uses computers and algorithms and AI question mark. She'll have to listen back to this and tell wow. me if I'm wrong. I mean, it uh, all sounds really cool either way. <laughs> yeah, and she, uh, she uses it for cancer research. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, of course, like being surrounded by it. Exactly. Like I never I never thought of music as a viable option. Yeah, I could see that. I kind of. Yeah, I guess I kind of thought the same thing growing up. It's not like I told myself I didn't want to do it, but I was like, I don't know if that's I guess in my head, I always thought it wasn't realistic. Mm -hmm. So I don't, did you ever feel that yeah. kind of way, too? Always. And I still do. <laughs> um <laughs> But, you know, it's honestly, it's something that I struggle with every day. Yeah. Um, because we don't make the most amount of money. Um, or have steady jobs. <laughs> or have steady jobs, especially illuminated now with COVID. Yeah, um, that's probably been the craziest thing for me to see is like, it almost is completely wiped out. Yeah. And there are some people who just like have no option whatsoever than to just do mm -hmm. something completely unrelated yeah i was working a job on broadway um and you know covid yeah. and here we are um, and that must be scary too to, when they're like you know even with everything opening up we don't know when this is gonna come back <laughs> yeah it's it's really scary. It's nobody knows. Um, we everyone takes guesses, mm -hmm. um, but nobody for sure knows. Yeah. And it's just it's such a different world. Like, I love the fact that people are doing all these like live streaming things and like stuff like that. And it's been cool. And it's like been a more personal way to kind of like connect with artists and stuff. But it's so much different, like seeing a performance like live on stage. Mm -hmm, definitely. And, and, you know, as I was, um, as I was getting at a little bit earlier with um, it, times are tough for artists and musicians. Yeah. And like we were talking about practicality um, and feasibility. Uh, it's, it's really the art that we love and that we feel this need you I'm sure you relate. Um, we feel this need to do it. Mm hmm which is really what keeps me going yeah. uh, through the through the many hard days. Yeah. What were you doing um your job before this? Uh job before COVID? Yeah. <laughs> I was doing a lot. I was going to school full time. Mm -hmm. I was at Hofstra University. Um and I was tutoring music theory. Uh, and I was also working at the music library over there. Oh, wow. Um, and then I also was working um, a front of house job uh, in Manhattan at the same time. So I would travel back and forth and back and forth. Wow. Uh, so it got a little, a little hectic, but you know, it's the, the busy lifestyle that I really thrive on. Yeah. And you were studying music in school also? Yeah, I was studying music composition. You were like, completely engulfed in it <laughs> like yeah surrounded <laughs> and I mean that's like that's one thing too that I'm sure was like a good feeling to have because there are so many people that want to be in some kind of performing art related career and have to do things that are just not even related to their field to get by until they can get some kind of position in what they love Mm -hmm. Yeah, and something that I speak with a lot of people about is that um, 
for me especially, uh, you know, if you can get some sort of position that's maybe not exactly what you want to be doing, but it's adjacent. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get an adjacent job to what you want to be doing yeah. or within the same field, um, then, and and that can help support you, uh, then you can sort of allow that to help you work towards what you want to be doing until what you really want to be doing becomes, uh, you know, your full-time work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you were saying, you were telling me before um, that you wrote this show. It was the one that you performed at 54 Below and you, Ah. yes, that one. Yeah, so that was in college. So that was a show called What's Wrong with the World. Okay. Um, And we did that at 54 Below. Um, I had moved to the city and these, uh, these plans that I for a, a job I was supposed to have been working for that summer, um, they fell through. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, I'm, I find myself in Manhattan. Um, I, I get a, a job telemarketing, actually. Um, and you know that takes up some of my time. Yeah. But most of the time, I, my thing fell through. Um, so I was like, well, <laughs> what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided... Uh, you know, you you only live once, yeah. and you you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And you're um, in Manhattan. You're already like partially living the dream. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I decided I'm gonna write a song cycle, and I'm gonna try to get it produced at Fifty Four Below within three months. <laughs> so were you? Um, so this was kind of written more like with the intention to turn it into something that you could have like in production it wasn't just like or was it like a fun kind of side project you're like let's see what happens no it was my 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 main thing gotcha. mm-hmm. um i i love the writing process mm-hmm. i love the music direction process i love the rehearsal process um i even really enjoy the performance process yeah. <laughs> um and you know, I was working the job that helped me pay my bills. Um, and I was writing and doing all these other things that I loved. And it was actually in that summer, it was the summer of 2018 that I decided definitively, um, this is this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then with that show, um, you were telling me before, and I just, I loved the story that you kind of brought this with just an idea and then had to completely make it into something like totally on your own yeah oh it was it was a little bit insane um because I had to cast the show Mm -hmm. um before a certain point um but I didn't have the show written yet (laughs) um so I had to cast a show that didn't exist um so when you're when you're casting something like that and it, like you said, doesn't exist yet, how do you pitch that like to the people that you're casting? Yeah, so I told them that I have um, a collection of songs that I want to do. Um, I wasn't sure yet that we were going to do it at 54 Below. Mm-hmm. Um, I told them, you know, either we'll do a public performance or we'll make a professional recording. Um, but uh, I really had their voices in my head already. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm a very visual person, even when that's just in my mind. Yeah. Um, I could see the show, I could hear the show before any of it even existed. Um, so I knew the voice types that I wanted. I knew um, uh, generally like the types of people that I wanted mm-hmm. um, because a lot of what we do is with your friends. Yeah. Um, in this industry, especially, um, I sort of developed whenever I cast anything that I'm working on, um, I get together a panel of um, people who I trust, mm. uh, who know what they're talking about mm-hmm. with, um, with music and voice and theater. Um, and I typically what I'll do is I'll have video submissions for my auditions. Oh, okay. Um, that way we can pass the videos to every person on the panel that I um, bring together. Um, that way, you know, if someone didn't make it in it wasn't because I you know chose my friend over that person oh yeah um I really I really like to have an unbiased um as unbiased as possible Mm -hmm. it's it is a subjective art yeah Uh, as unbiased as possible of an audition process I mean that's good that you keep that in mind Mm -hmm. yeah I definitely was picturing like you at a table with like two other people like yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah that's that we actually did that for um untitled time uh, one of my musicals okay. uh, at the midtown international theater festival um that was such an amazing experience for me to like um, be at the table for the casting to be at the table for the casting it was um it was so incredible and you know it, it wasn't just me it was my um my music director, my director, my casting director. Um, We were all there in the room and uh, we used the studio on 23rd Street, question mark, around there. Um, But the windows had a gorgeous view of the Empire State Building. And um, I remember I took a second to myself and I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. here I am. I wrote a musical. I'm sitting in a room with a group of amazing talented people yeah um, and I'm looking out the window at the skyline of Manhattan and we're casting my musical I was like that was um that was 2017 um it was just such an amazing experience yeah that sounds incredible I mean uh, this honestly sounds like the scene out of like a coming of age <laughs> movie <laughs> so many uh-huh. of these people like movies of kids in New York like chasing their dream this definitely sounds like a sequence in it <laughs> Yeah, here we are. Yeah. So the the one at 54 Below, that was the first one you had written and done? That was the third I had written and done. Um, You had already done two before you got out of college? uh, So I did, so uh, the summer after my senior year of high school, um, we produced a musical called Furniture the Musical, um, which was uh, written... Uh, by Natalie Leifson, um, who is such a talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we had written this and I had done the music. Um, and the summer after my senior year of high school, we produced that at the Midtown International Theater Festival in New York City. Wow. Um, and then the summer after that, I did Untitled Time. And then the summer after that was 54 Below. Wow, that's insane. 
Yeah, it's uh, it was a lot. <laughs> I mean, but, that's really cool, um, though. Great experience, mm-hmm. and I met so many friends along the way. Yeah, I could imagine. So when you decided that this is what you were going to do and you, like, went full force for it, did your family object at all or, like, take it any kind of weird way? Mm, no. Um, they they were supportive. They were as supportive as they understood. Mm-hmm. They they support me. Yeah. Um, and you know they don't. They just don't know everything that I do. They don't know um, exactly what it means to be a composer or to be a music director. Yeah. So for as much as they know um, that I do, they are supportive. Well, that's good to hear because I mean, I could definitely imagine or at least like I would have assumed just from coming from like a family that's so involved in medicine or like, you know, like you're saying scientific things in medicine and then Mm -hmm. you just go a completely different path. Um, But to hear that that didn't happen is a really nice change because I feel like that's often the answer. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure they still um, they would still want me to have something a little bit more stable. Mm -hmm. Um, They do support me in the way that they, they just want me to be, you know, happy and um, all the good things. That's really Um, great too. But uh, yeah. So in, in their minds, like more stability would Mm -hmm. yield greater happiness. Yeah, of course. Um, And I mean, that's, that's completely understandable. Like, Mm-hmm. Everyone, oh, definitely. yeah, everyone wants to see the people they love winning. So it's like if you're, you're happy, but it's like you know, if you could have something more stable, it might be yeah. easier. Totally get that. And I, yeah, and I agree. Mm-hmm. You know, if it would be easier to have um, something more stable, yeah. Um, but like I was saying at the beginning, is that it's it's about the art and. Um, Every artist I, I talk to, they say that and they agree that they feel this need to create and this need to make art. Yeah, for um, sure. But, you know, only only the ones who do the things know exactly what the things are that they're doing. Yeah, for sure. If that makes sense. No, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's harder to relate to when you're not seeing like the things that go into it. So, yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. get that for sure. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of your friends now probably are involved in like this same type of work, would you say, or no? Um, I don't know. I, I like to have a variety of, of friends. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I have I have friends in business. Uh, my boyfriend's in business. Okay. Um, my two roommates, one of them is in um, law. <laughs> in Okay. Local- music law but uh, she's in law school I did not know Um, that was a thing yeah it's really cool I'll have her um, talk to me about like copyright and all of these things that you don't don't think about yeah um, like like we were talking about Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I I have other friends in um, other music businesses um, a lot of friends in medicine a lot of friends in theater and um, theater production Mm -hmm. um a lot of costume designing friends and cool. I guess I guess we're all creative types yeah mostly um, do you think the f- uh friends that you have that kind of aren't so much in like into the creative stuff have 
still kind of that notion that this is like a hobby or it's like not a serious job no well I think that a lot of that is generational as well mm. um but no I, I'd point. say all of my friends all of my friends who aren't in the arts um they at least see what I do okay. um and they see all of the work that I put into it um and a lot of them say you know wow mm-hmm. um I I could never do that and then I, yeah. I look at them and their jobs and I say I could never do that and yeah oh yeah everyone <laughs> has their skill set <laughs> yeah exactly we all have our things that we're good at mm-hmm. and we all have our things that we're not so good at mm-hmm. I mean yeah that's definitely good to hear because you know I feel like just in general it's mostly looked at as like a one in a million thing to do those kind mm-hmm. of jobs you know yeah but um you brought up a good point about the generational thing because I mean I don't know if this is what you meant but it definitely seems like younger generations are definitely more open and accepting to different types of careers these days mm-hmm. I'd I'd venture out and say that younger people are more just open to anything yeah I um, can say that mm-hmm. which you know I we can't we can't really blame older generations. Oh no, definitely um, not. Because, like, you know, we're we're all we're all making it as as we can, and yeah. we're all raised as we've all been raised. Exactly. Um, but I, I do think that our generation, um, we're just on average, um, just a little more accepting, and uh, we all have this camaraderie. That's that's mm-hmm. like um, we're all in this together. We're all going through it together yeah um so you know if you're a musician fine if you're gay fine if you're whatever mm-hmm. um that said um I do have a lot of friends in older generations um just that I meet through work and other other jobs um and I find that the people of the older generations that I connect most with are also the artist types yeah um, or the the people types yeah I definitely feel like creative types are just in general more open-minded and more accepting Mm -hmm. and yeah like you said I mean we can't blame the old generation like things were different (laughs) at a time and that's that's how they grew up you know that doesn't mean that we can't learn when yes. presented with new information yes exactly um but yeah yeah i don't so i don't know like the ages technically for each generation you know like the millennials <laughs> and gen z but i feel like my age and my age group we kind of grew up i think we grew up kind of in the perfect spot because we're teetering both sides it's like mm-hmm. when i grew up Things weren't super closed minded, but yet at the same time, there was still a lot of stuff you didn't talk about. Like mm-hmm. definitely mental health was not spoken about when I was growing up. And I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. And we'll talk about that later. No, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I also grew up in a generation of like tough love, you know, like mm-hmm. if I can just get up and dust it off. And then <laughs> growing into adulthood and like being able to see that shift and like see that change has been really cool 
And it's also been kind of troubling, I guess, to kind of see the two completely opposite sides, like butt heads, but then mm-hmm. also kind of be like, oh, like I'm, I definitely understand working towards sensitivity 100%, but then I, there's some things I'm also like, get over it. We don't need to spend <laughs> enough forever, like, <laughs> you know, to certain things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in a really weird generation because um, <laughs> most millennials won't say that I'm a millennial, um, but I, I don't relate at all to Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would think so. Too. I, when I think Gen Z, I think like young, young kids. Yeah. And like people in high school now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I'm know, right, like, but that's what I think. of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a, I guess I've, I've heard the term zillennial thrown around. Um, I, I mean, I could see what they're trying to say with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, most of my friends are older than I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were, um, but yeah, on the topic of mental health, you wanted to yeah. bring that up, which I know is something definitely a lot more people can relate to these days. Or actually, I think what it is, is that it is just more commonly spoken about. So now you're finding more people who can relate because yeah like I was saying 10 years ago however long it was not something I ever even heard about and it was something for me personally I was even embarrassed to talk about like I didn't want to bring it up ever oh yeah there were definitely times that I felt as a kid that I probably should have talked to somebody but I was just so embarrassed and I felt a lot of shame for needing help Mm mm-hmm and I think that there is a huge shift right now yeah. in that kind of thinking. You know, 10 years ago, if someone was in therapy, um, it would be like the talk of the school. Like, did you hear that she's in therapy? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so funny to watch. Like, I've been watching a lot of old shows and stuff. And even in the early 90s, uh-huh. they're like, oh, she's seeing a therapist. She must be crazy. Like. <laughs> Yeah, right. But now it's like I'll just <laughs> I'll text my friends and be like, "Yo, guess what my therapist told me today?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely that's one of the shifts that I have loved seeing, like in mm-hmm. my lifetime. That's taken like a complete three sixty, and mm-hmm. I really hate that. I mean, I don't hear it anymore. I definitely heard it a lot when I was younger, but I feel like people who have never gone through it I hear them say things like oh all of a sudden all these people are depressed and all of a sudden everyone has anxiety and it's and that's not what it is it's not that everyone has decided to adopt these things into their life it's just that now they don't have to feel embarrassed or ashamed to talk about it so now you hear about it more than you would have before yeah and I think there are two things that play here um number one like you said um there is this cultural shift Mm -hmm. and we are getting more comfortable talking about it but also um i'd i'd venture that our brains aren't meant for all of the demands that we have right now that is a Um, good point that i never thought of with all of these all of all this technology and you know it used to be that you worked one job and you could support yourself but now we're working two or three just to get by Mm -hmm. um so I think that, yes, we're talking about it more, but also 
we have all these things that you know older generations didn't have technology yeah um they didn't have as much information within seconds as we did that is very Um, true we didn't they didn't have the internet um they weren't constantly bombarded like we are with current events and all of the the hardships going on in the world I think that it's it's twofold you know it's um it can be not very good for your mental health Mm -hmm. but also I think that we are starting and continuing fantastic conversations that are well overdue yeah for sure yeah I definitely never thought about that and you're right like we are bombarded with things instantly and you know all these things that we weren't really aware of before we could be made aware of within seconds and like an influx of information like that can really bring you down which I'm sure a lot of people have experienced within this past year like (laughs) even if it was for the first time like yeah Mm -hmm. I I'd never thought about that I guess I I have like a kind of a weird relationship with technology (laughs) like I hate it for those things like Mm -hmm. I I hate that I get can I can get so caught up in like looking at all the bad news stuff and like scrolling through negative comments or whatever and like stuff like that on people's posts. But then mm-hmm. also, you know, within this past year too, seeing how much it can connect people and like being able to still connect with people like all around the world when we're all trapped inside of our houses for like however many months that was happening. Yeah. Like the honestly, I feel like the quarantine kind of showed with technology how much more we're capable of on our own that we didn't realize we were. In what ways? Like suddenly seeing all these music videos and like albums and stuff people were putting out all just completely from their home, like from their laptops, from their cell phones. Like, that was really cool to see. And honestly, like, I never even thought of being able to do, like, the podcast. And then I was like, oh, I could do this over Zoom. Like, this is so easy now. Like, I don't have to worry about trying to meet people up or, you know, even like us. Like, I can talk to you in New York and do this. Like, Mm -hmm. if this stuff didn't exist or, like, if I didn't realize the ease in it, like, obviously, we would have never had the chance to do this. And then also, like, the... The show we did, the um, Tabletop Broadway show, too. Yeah. It was great. I'm actually um, currently working with somebody in France. Oh, wow. That's so cool. <laughs> um, you know, over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And uh, just more to your point that uh, we're, we're realizing how much we can do with the things like Zoom and the yeah. internet. So it's definitely like choosing to see the positives and hopefully not wrap yourself up in the negative of like all the technology and Mm -hmm. you know fast-paced things yeah so I mean we got into it a little bit on Instagram I mean I'm glad we actually get to talk about this now because you know in messages you can't really convey that much and I never want to type like full (laughs) pages (laughs) but I yeah I understand But I know you um, have kind of been getting more into like meditation and mindfulness. And I mean, I'm definitely not an expert or anything, but it's something that like I have a really big interest in. So how did you kind of start getting into it? 
Um, honestly, I don't know when I started or how I started. Mm-hmm. Um, it just sort of happened. Um, I remember even as a kid when I went to camp and I, I went to a theater, a couple of different theater camps. Um, they had us do meditation exercises before performances, oh, really? but they didn't call it they didn't call it meditation. Uh, it wasn't really um, like as big of a thing as it is now. Yeah. Um, I guess that's when I sort of started. Mm-hmm. Like it got um, you thinking about it at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I actually did a meditation session before uh, before starting this podcast with you. That's so great. I love um, that. I use the Calm app and uh, there's this, um, there's this, so Tamara Levitt, <laughs> um, she makes all the recordings and not all of them, but most of them. Yeah. And she uses this analogy of um, how an anxious mind is like a snow globe with all of the snow going everywhere. Mm. And meditation um, is really there not to get rid of the snow, but to let the snow settle. Um, so, you know, when before I do a performance or before I have an interview or um, really anything, I, I do just give myself the time. And a lot of people who don't really understand, who haven't really tried it or gotten into it, think that it's some far out idea that... Yeah. No, and it's not. It's all it is, is just focusing on yourself for a little bit um, mm-hmm. and, you know, really just living the present, which, um, you know, we'll talk about, I don't always have the use of time doing, but um, meditating really does help with that. Yeah, that's for sure been something, I think probably the biggest thing I've learned from meditation is being present and being aware of what's going on around you. Cause Um, I think I've heard probably from my meditation app too, (laughs) that when you're living in the past, that can cause you to be depressed. And when you live in the future is what can cause you to be anxious. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, living in the present moment and just appreciating what you have around you now, definitely my biggest takeaway for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, maybe it's because I think I separate meditation from like my everyday life so much like I'll do it first thing in the morning and I do it last thing before I go to bed that I never even thought of like using it for like performances and stuff and that's yeah definitely something I'm gonna try now (laughs) good I'm glad Mm -hmm. like even before videos or something you know because I feel like I do kind of tend to stress myself out if I'm like making a video because I'm like okay well does this sound okay and is this lighting right and da 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 so I, I love that you did it before today just to like get you in the yeah. right headspace. Yeah. Get all comfy and do it. Get all comfy. Yeah, I have my string lights on. I was listening to um, a couple of your other podcasts and, and something that I just love about podcasts in general um, is that it's it's so human and it's just like you're listening to your two best friends having a conversation. Yeah, I um, think that's why I love it too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I'm i in my fuzzy sweater. Um, <laughs> uh, poured myself a little glass of wine and uh, have my string lights on and it's, it's very zen in here. And um, I'm so glad that I we're like that. 
yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm honored to be welcomed into your little Zen environment. Oh my God. I'm honored to be welcomed into your podcast. I wish I had a drink. It's so funny. Cause like when I first started doing these, I think I was just so nervous and in my head, I had to have a drink with me <laughs> when I was doing them. No, I, I made this like a little, um, a little date <laughs> for, for I like myself that. and I, I guess with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. But yeah, it's been, been fun. So how is it that you came to find out about the Tabletop Broadway show and like came to be a part of it? Um, I'm trying to think. I think I saw an ad um online okay. and then I reached out to my friend Ryan who I've such a talent um was he the one who sang yeah he was the one who sang okay. and actually he was in furniture he was in untitled time he was oh okay that's what's cool. wrong with the world everything that I've done in New York so far he's been in um He's one of those one of those people you can say you can hand him a, a piece of music and mm. he will just sing it sight reading the first oh, wow. time basically performance ready. Um, so Damn. he's he's really fantastic to work with and to collaborate with, um, especially if I have new material that I want to test out mm -hmm. with a real person. Um, but so I reached out to him and he said that he's worked with Ian before um, and oh, that okay. um, I should, you know, I should go for it and that he would love to sing uh, in whatever it is that we do. That's really cool. Did you enjoy that experience? I did because um, at, at that point I had just moved back to New York. Mm -hmm. um, I was staying with family for a while um, and obviously still in quarantine in yeah. isolation um and it was the first time I really got to you know quote-unquote perform again yeah um since I was supposed to have a uh, a showcase of all of my compositions mm -hmm. at school but that was canceled because of COVID oh. um was that so like a was, graduation thing yeah okay so it was really nice to perform and do something um, yeah especially something that I had written. <laughs> it's funny because when we first started talking, I just assumed you were a singer. And like <laughs> when we like started messaging each other and I saw all your stuff about like musicals and stuff on your page, I was like, oh, he must be like an actor and a singer. <laughs> <laughs> people, people do assume that. People sometimes mm. ask me, well, often they ask me, are you a dancer? You look like a dancer. And I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> No, no, no. The only people who hear me sing are um, my sister in mm -hmm. times that I don't know she's listening and sometimes <laughs> recording <laughs> um, and my casts um, and also mm, yeah. creative creative teams that I work with. Yeah. Um, I like to think that I can, I can sing well enough to convey my point um, mm, and yeah. I can sing well enough to help vocalists. Yeah, because of course, like when you're writing a piece, you're you want to show them how you're envisioning it, how you want it to sound. Exactly. Um, but am I performance <laughs> caliber? I'd say probably not. So would you say that you're more of like a behind the scenes person or like if you had the chance, do you think you'd want to be like an upfront performer, like center stage type of person? Definitely behind the scenes um, in terms of performing. Okay. 
um, I think the closest I'll get to being, the, the closest I'll allow myself to being on a Broadway stage or on any stage is um, in the pit. In the pit, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, say that. I'd, uh, you know, I'd love to be um, a pianist mm-hmm. for really any show or a music director or conductor. Because um, I, I did a lot of music directing in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I love music directing. It's my, it's my sub passion. <laughs> yeah. you, you could definitely have more. Yeah, that's how I would definitely. And they can Mm -hmm. change. (laughs) And they can change. (laughs) Yeah, I think another thing, too, is like, it seems to me like you don't have any issue like showing up on social media and stuff and like promoting your shows and all that. So, I mean, you definitely seem like you have that kind of charisma to like put yourself out there. (laughs) Thanks for saying that. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I'm I don't see myself in that way. Um, it's honestly very difficult for me sometimes mm-hmm. to most of the time to post um, anything on social media and say I'm doing a show buy tickets or yeah. um, really anything I know that a lot of our industry right now is online and in social media mm-hmm. so I I do participate as I can um, but you know I'm <laughs> in I'm never the first person to speak in a conversation I'm never the first person to whatever I I, I do like to I like to say that I'm an ambivert. Um, I'm I'm an introvert with extroverted tendencies. Okay. I, you know what? I think I could say the same. Mm-hmm. Cause like I have a tendency to be kind of quiet and kind of like read the room before I like mm-hmm. jump into a conversation <laughs> or anything. But also I, I try not to hesitate and maybe that's just me like getting out of my comfort zone, but Like if there's no, like, let's say I'm in a room and like no one's talking or something like I need to get something started. I'll, I'll start a conversation, Mm -hmm. but if there's like already one going or something, I'm also not first to like insert myself or anything like that. So I can definitely be both sides as well. Uh Yeah. I don't know. I'm starting to find that more performers feel this way too of like in your personal life you're not necessarily like all out there and like completely putting yourself out but then when you get into like a performance kind of environment that's when it's completely different and it's it makes more sense to me now that I hear people like different uh, musicians talk about their like alter egos and stuff and I'm like okay I get it now (laughs) I used to think it was so weird yeah um it, it, you know, I think that it, it feels like home when yeah. you're, uh, I can only really speak to the theater community, um, but when I step into a theater or into a pit or behind a piano, um, you know, everyone, everyone has these expectations that, um, you know, I'm a musician and um, also the community is very friendly with uh, the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that for sure. So, you know, it's it's a level of comfort yeah. stepping into a room of theater people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know that I'm in a room of like-minded people yeah. who won't judge any more than I do, at least. <laughs> um, There's always just a little. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're human. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that it, it speaks to that a little bit as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I, um, 
was, I don't know, maybe a year ago or something, I did like a competition and I had a performance and, you know, all the other performers, we were all together in like this one little area in the back. And it was kind of the first time I had really been in that environment and just seeing everyone like be so positive towards each other and like kind of hyping each other up and like you know wanting everyone to feel good before they went out there like it was it was a really good feeling to have yeah definitely Mm -hmm. it's a nice community around you so yeah it's it's easier to be like more out there with those kind of people yeah Mm -hmm. so how you were saying that your passions kind of intersect of with music and with helping people what is it that you would hope and I don't know if this is a weird question but what is it that you would hope like people get out of hearing your music or watching your shows or like what they would feel yeah so um really my passion project um is a musical called Untitled Time it has since gone from uh like a less than one hour piece to now two and a half hours fully orchestrated like full production ready it's about mental illness um i feel that a lot of times um forgive the noises outside it's a oh you're fine i can barely hear (laughs) (laughs) it's very loud here in new york um that's part of the beauty honestly (laughs) yeah uh, i (laughs) i can't fall asleep to quiet anymore i have to play those city sounds on my phone if I'm not in the city. Um, but it's, I feel that a lot of times, um, I'm not going to say mental health is glorified because it's not, um, but sensationalized. Yeah. Um, I feel that a lot of, a lot of entertainment um, trades accuracy for entertainment value. Mm, um, yeah, that's a good point. Which you know, I'm glad that we're having these conversations. But in the same breath, I think that we can start to have more accurate conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, When you start a more accurate conversation, then you have more accurate questions, and then you lead to more accurate answers. And hopefully, eventually, stigma will get decreased and lives will be saved. Um, So I really want to put something out there that asks the right questions Mm -hmm. and and really shows what mental health issues actually look like yeah I'm not saying that anybody else's experiences are incorrect I can only speak to my own experiences Mm -hmm. um but you know seeing a lot of things in uh in pop culture great works of art um but you know I think that in the mental health community, we can do better at making something a little bit more accurate that that really asks the right questions. For sure. So that we can make a greater impact. I love that. And yeah, I get what you're saying, how it's it's not necessarily glorified, but yeah, it is sensationalized. And the only example like that's coming to my mind right away is um, 13 Reasons Why. Have you seen that? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in my opinion, I feel like it's like, you know, it's great that they put something like that out there. And, you know, before and after the show, they definitely have like all these things about, you know, having those conversations and like places to find help. 
But then you see the show and it's like, I can't really picture someone going through that and then recording all these tapes and putting this huge scheme together of like, you know, trying to do all this because, and I mean, who knows, maybe someone in that mindset could be capable of it, but I just, and like you said, no one's experience is the same. I feel like from my experience, it would be more focused on how am I feeling and why do I not want to feel this way as opposed to like, oh, what can I do to, you know, tell all these people why they made me feel this way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely like more accurate depictions would help for sure. And that's great that you're trying to do that. That's amazing to hear. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, you know, like I said, I can't speak to anybody else's experience but my own. Um, but uh, I I do enjoy that show. It's, oh uh, no, I loved it. Like, <laughs> I'll be honest, I loved it. <laughs> but you know, um, it's for entertainment yeah. value. You know, at the end of the mm-hmm. day, it it put the message out to speak about it. Um, but it's for entertainment. <laughs> yeah, I think that that entertainment is both a reflection as well as a script. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that art is created as a reflection of our humanity. But I also think that people see the art and try to live performative lives based on the art that we are taking in. So it is this cycle Yeah. Um, that, yeah, we can look at ourselves and be reflective, but also we have to keep in mind that the art that we do put out will speak to our culture itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's definitely true. I mean, a lot of times, too, people tend to kind of take what they see of those interpretations at face value. Mm -hmm. Well, on a lighter note, (laughs) (laughs) where do you see yourself with all this? Let's say, I mean, you're about to be 23. So let's say when you're 30, where do you think or where do you hope to be seeing yourself with everything? Where do I hope to be? Oh my gosh. Um, well, uh, I have this weird thing. Let me tell you. I don't see myself living past 24. What? <laughs> whenever I whenever I think about my life um, after the age of 24, like it's just always been this way. Um, however young I was, um, I <laughs> it's difficult for me to see a life past 24. Is there a reason why 24? That seems like a very <laughs> odd specific age. No, there's there's literally no reason. Um, it's something that I think about often and I'm like, why is this? That's scary. That's so funny. Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely a different take on things, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but also maybe um, it's uh, keeping you from worrying too far ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so then in that case, <laughs> when so you're 24... <laughs> Well, no, I'll, I'll do 30. Okay. Um, I can talk about where I hope to be. Um, but also I'm trying this thing where I don't think too much about the future. Um, Understandable, I, 100%. I live in the future and I live in the past, but I almost never live in the present. Um, obviously, Broadway would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really just trying to focus less on... Um, achieving goals not that I'm not achieving goals um, but have my life be less about achieving goals and more about living by my own values 
I love that for sure. So I, I think that in, when I'm 30, I would hope that um, I'm still helping people. Mm-hmm. I would hope that I've, I've been helping even more people. Yeah. Um, I would hope that I'm still a, well, as good of a person as I am now. <laughs> Maybe I'm not, I'm not. I would you know. bet better. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I just, I hope that I'm happy with what I'm doing and the people that I surround myself with goal wise. Yeah. Broadway would be amazing yeah. or um, really just shaping, shaping the future, shaping the lives of others. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really more about helping people and, and improving the lives of people who are struggling with, mm-hmm. um, with really whatever they're struggling with. I just, I don't know. It, we all get this life. We all get this one life. And why fill it with hatred and fighting and all these bad things that we could talk for hours about? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, I think that everyone deserves at least the same shot at life, the same shot at happiness. So improving the lives of others, helping other people get to a place where they have a, or a better shot at happiness and all of the things that a lot of us take for granted. Um, That's what I hope to be doing. I hope to be still um, focused on improving the lives of others. I love that. And I like, yeah, I like it's, it's simple and it's not so much goal oriented that you kind of took it to a place bigger than yourself. I love that for sure. Yeah. Thank you. And, and you know, the, the way that I know how is through music and theater. I think people underestimate the power that music and performance have, but probably not anymore because that's <laughs> been like the only thing for a lot of people to get, you know, people through like stuff like this with music and entertainment. I mean, entertainment is like all we've had <laughs> to get through this. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I hope people see the value in that more. Like I can definitely look back at like a lot of times when I was younger going through hard times and it was, those good songs and like those meaningful song lyrics that you know got me through those times for me it was gaga's born this way album Ooh, (laughs) i something i looked at her so much different after um a star is born and i just i don't Mm -hmm. know just her voice i love it it's so powerful yeah so last thing do you have Last any advice or words of wisdom for anybody out in the world? Um, talk to as many people as you can um, with an open mind. Yes. Um, I think that, you know, you can see interactions with humans as just I'm interacting with another person for a goal of my own, for my own benefit. Or you can think of it as here is in this one human is a whole slew of experiences and perspectives and ideas that you've never even had or thought of. Talk to people, gain new perspectives. I think that, um, especially right now, our, our country is so divided. I think that what we're really missing is communication. Communication leads to um, you know, building an understanding. And once you have understanding um, and empathy, then you can really start making some progress. 
Um, but you know, even even politics aside, just talk to people, gain new perspectives. Um, like I was saying, we only have this one shot at life. For me, I want to know everything I can know. I want to meet as many people as I can meet. I want to learn from as many people as I can learn from. Um, you know, <laughs> Lion King. Uh, there's more to see than can ever be seen and more to do than can ever be done. You know, people are the way that you can start to close that gap. Um, you can't travel everywhere, but you can talk to people who are from those places or who have been to those places. Whenever you're having a debate or an argument with anybody, try to put yourself in their shoes. Let's all try to make this earth a better place for us all.